Hey, everybody, it's Ryan Ripley. Wanted to get a new offering in front of you as soon as possible, evidence-based leadership. And so, as you all know, Todd Miller, myself, and Will Seeley, we're big on evidence-based management. We want to apply it to the leadership space. We all know that modern managers face complex challenges every day. You're juggling a lot of needs, your direct reports, your stakeholders, your customers, they all need constant attention. What we want to do is help you manage that. We want you to use information and data to make good decisions around all of these areas so that we're delivering the right thing at the right time for the right customer. And we know that we're doing that because we're using data and evidence to validate all the things that we're doing. And not only that, we're not just looking at value, but we're looking at our capabilities as an organization. Can we deliver on time? Can we innovate effectively? Do we have too much tech debt? Do we have too many things in process? Are we unable to deliver when the market demands that we do? We look at all of these things with evidence-based management. We merge that into a leadership uh, mindset and lens, and we enable you to make new and better decisions repeatedly based off of the data that you're collecting within your organization. It's exciting stuff. We hope you can join us. Visit agileforhumans.com forward slash EBL course. Join us in one of these offerings. We think you're going to love it. Hope you can join us. Use Agile for Humans, the number four to take another 15% off of this course. And uh, we can't wait to see you there. Processes and tools dominate today's Agile discussions, but we are devoted to the individuals and interactions that make it work. From the beginner to the veteran practitioner, we have something for you. Welcome to Agile for Humans. Perhaps we should say who's on the chat today. We've tried it a couple times. It's failed. We don't want to, oh, we don't want to reveal ourselves. That's only because Ryan couldn't find the start button. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. But you outed me. So I guess I... You might as well introduce yourself now. Yep. I'm Ryan Ripley. I'm Mark Kilby. I'm Aaron Copel coming to you live from uh, Washington, D.C. And I'm rounding out tonight's... Uh, foursome. I am Don Gray from Maggie Valley, North Carolina. How many of you know Jason Tanner? I was part of a group at uh, Capital One doing coaching years ago, and uh, I, as as the, I'm going to go with elder statesman. Aaron, you were there. I was there. You were you there. Were the <laughs> and what did they call me? Um, not the nice one, not the other one. So they called me Silver Alert. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. And Jason still. <laughs> Brings that out from time to time. It's like, oh. I actually put that on Urban Dictionary for you, Don. It's when, when an old person's story gets lost. What were we talking about? Help me out here, Aaron. Exactly. Silver alert. Oh, friendly, uh, agile, or agile among friends and silver alerts. So what do you guys want to call it? We were talking about names. Agile among friends, agile with friends, friendly agile. Or do should we go dark? I think, um, I think we should try. We should try to name it after the first few calls when we figure out what we're uh, what our theme is. Ooh, so like lean startup this thing. Yeah, once we hit our stride, then we'll we'll know exactly what to call it. It'll just it'll just be obvious. <laughs> well, and the and the difficulty is when you name something, it becomes static. That's true. Yeah. All right, so forget the name. Let's just let's just get a topic. I think right. we should have our first topic should be what do we name this thing? <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, let's dig into what we want this uh, this pod to be. 
is this a bunch of people get on once a week and and kind of joke around and talk about agile do we want to be informative do we want to be coaching do we want to be caring what do you guys think this ought to be what does the agile world need from a podcast yes all right good that's decided (laughs) (laughs) no if you look through itunes right so there's some really good pods out there so this agile life does a nice job of getting the same core host together they they have their developer angle and they really hit on some really good topics they do a nice job uh, Bob Galen does the Metacast, and that's more of him. And um, I believe his, the other gentleman's name is Josh. They do a really great job of uh, hitting on topics within their their domain. But you know, there isn't just a, a rotating group of people hitting on different topics and different angles on a regular basis. I don't know if it was Aaron. I think it was Aaron that asked the question. You know, what what do but what do folks need? You know, what do, what do, what is it we think our audience might be? What's the persona? Yeah. So what are the needs, wants, goals, and limitations of our listeners? Yeah. So what do you guys think? Do we go on with the naming uh, ideas, or do we just jump into a topic and see where this goes? And maybe by the end, we have a tagline and a, and a name. Yeah. Uh, just go for it. Yeah. So we can, we can sort of run it more as uh, open space. Whoever, whoever showed up who was before of us are the right people now we have to come up with the right topic so there's a few out on our on our board that uh, got thrown out there um i don't know some of i know aaron and i were both at agile indie and i really liked hala's uh, or hala Soleil's my agile is better than your agile talk and i think that's a a really amazing uh, topic that people need to hear more about let me and i'll tee that up for you guys a little bit she had written a, a blog post in frustration over how you know, traditional project managers, management, you know, and all these other trigger words in the agile world, how those people are treated in an agile transformation. You know, mm-hmm. there was, I guess there was a job posting of an agile project manager and, and someone put a comment on it saying, I'd never hire an agile project manager. If you think that's a job, you don't understand agile and you should quit, quit and get out of our industry. And in response to that, she wrote this really beautiful blog post, which we'll put uh, a link to in the show notes. Uh, just saying, look, we all learn Agile incrementally. Um, we need to be kind. We need to be patient and uh, and drop the judgment. And I thought it was just a great piece, you know, considering all of these Twitter wars that go on over no estimates or mob programming or, or all these, these battles that flare up over these new ideas. I just thought it was a very timely and really interesting talk. I'm just curious what your guys' thoughts are, you know, on the Agile community, the need to, to show a little restraint and kindness, and, and, you know, maybe you guys have seen something like that. Yeah, I, I unfortunately uh, missed the talk, but I, I heard a lot of good things about it throughout the day. And, you know, I, I think it's, it's a good observation that there's a need for empathy for those that uh, just, you know, at this point are still uninitiated um, into the, the full fold of Agile and that way of thinking and you know there, there's some need to help them along and so maybe they're maybe they're laggards on the the change curve but they're still people <laughs> well you know so this is mark and i'll add to that you know there's even you know battles within our agile community i mean in the early 2000s it was you know scrum versus xp versus you know the the few others that i don't know if, if those other methodologies or frameworks are even around anymore but uh you know, in in the I guess what 2011 2012 time frame. Now we get the scaled 
Agile frameworks kind of battling out. And uh, my, in my view, you know, they've all got a place. They, they've all got a, a sweet spot where they work. Uh, and somewhere, you know, they may not work so well. And it's, I always find it valuable to, to know a little bit about all of them just because you never know which combination of tools you might need for, you know, a particular uh, transformation. You know, at the core of it, though, do you guys think that the empathy is perhaps the missing Agile or Scrum value, that somehow we've left off this important uh, human quality, even though we say we value individuals and interactions over processes and tools, but somehow we left the empathy uh, part out of the equation? You mean we're not supposed to manipulate? (laughs) <laughs> or coerce or or abuse oh, snap or, okay all right all right mark you're doing it wrong okay man all this time no so I, I, go ahead don i'm sorry so this is don let me step back and suggest that what we value are people in interactions over processes and tools that does not say that we do not need project management yeah there is still a fiduciary responsibility to the organization and to those who have invested in that organization. What Agile does, um, and let me say specifically Agile processes, they have a different, we have a different way of developing software. We use different metrics. That does not lessen the need or responsibility for managers to be accountable to legal and financial authority. So, uh, there are, I, I do agree that there are job advertisements that just drive me bonkers. And the Scrum Master will drive the team to success. <laughs> you know, that, that's torn me up for a handful of years. Yeah. But yeah. there are things we sh- I, th- I feel we should be doing to help project managers. We still have projects. We still get cash. We still have to account for how that cash was spent. And are we returning value? The numbers we use are different. And perhaps, Ryan, this is where the empathy comes in. We still have to do those things but we've changed how we do it, and let's help those who are responsible understand the changes so that they can do their job better as we deliver value better. But I, but I think that's part of the, the point, though, and I think you bring up a good one with fiduciary responsibility. I think some of this reaction to that, that issue, specifically with agile project managers and trying to save the project managers, there's some fiduciary impact to trying to help people who are way on one side of the, the change curve and agile thinking to try to get to the other end rather than just saying, you know what, rather than trying to drag these people that have dug their heels in and don't want to hear it, it's easier and fi- more financially responsible to not have to do that and go find someone who's willing, right? So I think that's, that's part of the thinking and then I think some of where that comes from is just past experience and trauma of trying to, maybe, maybe they haven't done a good job of that but it's trying to offer paths to go agile and maybe people are just reluctant or dug their heels in and so financially it just makes more sense to not have to deal with that so that's that's one option um and i, I think you you know some of the other stuff you talked about we still have to be financially responsible about projects and things like that but that doesn't mean you need a project manager that means you need an accountant right and a marketing person and i think that's where some of that comes from as well 
But uh, so I, I don't want to necessarily turn this into a, a a battle about whether project managers are a good idea or whether you need to empathize. But I think the broader point that uh, that she was making was more about just trigger words in general, right? So there's a lot of things where there's there's such strong reaction to a variety of things. I mean, the, the project manager is one that I think we can't have more empathy for, and that's that's great. But then you think think about things that uh, Ryan mentioned about um, no estimates or or things like that. Do we have to do TDD or or if you're not TDD, you can't possibly be doing agile and things like that. Where if we think about more of as a mindset, getting back to the values and principles, you know, there's there's a lot of those kind of trigger words that just set people off in, in one direction and really then they put up walls around it and won't hear anything else, right? So I think that's part of what she was talking about broader than the the project manager issues, really just those trigger words and shutting down our attention to people that don't quite think that way yet. Yeah, and even taking it to that next level of not only am I going to shut down, but maybe I'm going to engage and judge and, and really just make a mess of the whole situation. And, and I've actually, I've done that, right? So I've come back from conferences with, you know, a purist mindset and I hadn't quite calmed myself down and someone rather new to Agile or to that kind of thinking would ask me a question and I would just shut down any alternatives. And, and over time you learn that people just withdraw, right? So when you had someone who was interested, uh, but asking perhaps questions that you may not agree with rather than, you know, saying, no, you can't possibly do that. Like Aaron was saying, or like, if you're not TDD, you're not agile, you know, using that more softer approach, you know, bringing some empathy to the forefront, you know, I think is, is a lot of what her point really was. And I'm assuming that was Ryan. Yeah, that was Ryan. Sorry. Oh, and that was Don asking if that was Ryan. (laughs) So, so back to Don. Um, and, and that's, so I've, so that's why it's interesting that we're wondering what to name the podcast and for those of you who can't see my uh, computer system, the Trello board says unnamed podcast project. <laughs> um, the words we use trigger feelings in other people. And I, I was not part of Ad, uh, Agile Indy, so I, I was not, I, I don't have no, I, I'm sorry, that was bad English. I have no reference into the original uh, material but she's very correct the words we use create feelings and one of my current focuses involves necessary but not sufficient so if you look at the agile manifesto you'll see the left hand the right hand and we value those things left on left more than right but the right are necessary so we need the processes and tools but they are not sufficient. When we get into the people and interactions, and I think this is where our conversation is sort of headed at this moment, I could be mistaken, we have to understand that our words create feelings and emotions. And it's not about our ways better than their way. It's about we are people, and software is an inherently complex problem that must be solved. And to do that, we have to understand how we impact each other. 
So, Don, when you're working with, um, let's say, an, an, a new person to Agile or they're just a recently minted CSM, you know, is your approach somewhat different than when you're talking to, say, you know, Aaron or Mark or myself and we're trying to hash through these ideas? Is the approach or angle different or the words different? You know, how do you, how do you action, make that statement actionable, I guess? So, uh Mark has been to the, um, I'm sorry, is it too early to put in a blatant uh, plug for the Coaching Beyond the Team workshop? I think you just did. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, there's a range of consulting roles a person can take. And what we try, what, what I try to do, when I'm working with a newly minted CSM or a handful of them in an organization, they're working on trying to figure out their role, how they fit into the new paradigm, the new processes. And I tend to be highly careful of the words I choose. Um, when I work with somebody like Mark or you or Aaron, um, you know, I've actually been in the trenches with Aaron. Uh, we've actually worked with a uh, at, at a client site together. So I'm a little less careful because of an established rapport. Um, for those of you who didn't hear the three tries that Mark didn't manage to push the start button correct. Um, you know, Ryan and I, I'm sorry, was Aaron Ryan. and I were going back and forth about. Uh, some of the conversations I had earlier, uh, that would have been, oh, like ancient history, 2012. And because of our established rapport and connection, uh, I've known Mark, uh, what, 2008, 2009? Uh, yeah, from the, somewhere around there. Yeah. Somewhere around there. And then I met Ryan uh, this year, or actually last year, at the... Uh, I'm sorry, Agile Coach Camp in Indy. Um, when you have a rapport, when you have a connection, you get a, a little bit more tolerance in the things you can say, and people will go, well, wait a minute, did you really mean? But overall, the words we use create feelings in other people, and you have to be careful with that. Yeah, I, I think it's it's definitely important to to ask questions and and to watch the words, and it's something that um, you know working working with and and interacting with you know guys like you know the three of you and and others. I've I've had to become much more conscious of the words I say because there are some loaded trigger words and and uh, it can cause misunderstandings. So it is. I think that is the important point of that topic. I don't know. Have we uh, hammered this one down and time to move on? Um, I'd like to just put in one more plug. Sure. I'm currently reading the book Humble Inquiry by Edgar Schein. Uh, excellent book about status difference, about asking questions, about the culture of telling versus asking. Uh, excellent book. Recommend it highly. So, and actually that reminds me of something, Don, that um, it's something that I talked about this past weekend at Agile Indy indirectly, is that when you and I were talking about 
uh, and I'm going to say this wrong, Seinfen, and you sent me some... Kenefin. Uh, Kenefin, Kenefin, thank you. Kenefin. Kenefin. Um, I'd never heard it said before. That's great. Um, you know, you asked permission prior to sending me all of that information and made sure that I was even open to um, help. And that really had a huge impact on me. It was a great little lesson there. And I think it's, I, I'd imagine it's related to that book that you're, that you just plugged. And uh, I, I can't recommend that approach enough because once, you know, he asked that question and I said, yes, it's a, it's, I think it's a next level of engagement and it uh, opened me up to learning. And I think it enabled Don to, to send some things and to interact with me through email in a more meaningful way. So just wanted to point that out and show a little appreciation for that too. Well, thank you. And uh, I think that actually came out of a book called Mindful Coaching by Doug Silsby. And Silsby is S-I-L-S-B-E-E. Mindful Coaching, excellent book. And we'll put uh, links in the show notes to, to those two books and uh, some of the other sites that we've uh, talked about. So how about, uh, how about the, the rest of us? You guys have a, a topic that's uh, front of mind or on your heart about Agile that uh, you think would be our, our, our good second topic for us? So <clears throat> one I was thinking about, and I, I put this on our, our uh, Trello board, was I was kind of curious about the local Agile user groups. So I, I know with you guys up in Agile Indy, it's a, it's a very active group, and I was curious to hear more about it. Um, I, can, I can tell you guys about what we're doing here in Florida because we've got several groups. But I think it's important that no matter where folks are, it, the, the best thing to do is connect with the local group. And it's, it's funny how people are reluctant to do that. So if you guys want to chat about that, I'm, I'm good with that one, or we can go on to another topic. Yeah, so this is Ryan. I think that's a good, it's an interesting topic. It's one that uh, I've actually been pinging Aaron about quite a bit. So I'm actually out of Fort Wayne, Indiana, and it's just far enough away from Indianapolis that it makes attending Agile Indy uh, somewhat difficult, but I will try to get down to a few of them. I'm actually looking at trying to start up a local Agile group in Fort Wayne, you know, maybe call it, you know, I'll be original and call it Agile Fort Wayne. But no, they've set an excellent model down in Indianapolis. I've been reaching out to Aaron. Uh, Matt Block is someone else that uh, I think had a pretty big part in the establishment of that group. And uh, I'm actually looking to be in the founding stage of one of these groups pretty soon, Mark. But uh, I don't know if Aaron would be willing to talk a little bit about Agile Indy. I, you know, from my perspective, they put on an absolutely amazing con- uh, conference this past weekend. You know, in their third year, they're almost to 400 attendees. You know, Mike Kottmeyer was the, the keynote, some really excellent stage presentations. From what I've heard, some really engaging uh, breakout sessions. I was able to speak at the conference, really appreciated that opportunity. You know, just a fantastic event, you know, in Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, where you may not expect such a, a great Agile conference, but uh, they've gone from, you know, a new organization and within three years hitting a huge stride like that, that uh, I think they are certainly a model uh, to follow. Yeah, you know, so this is Aaron. I'll, I'll just add a little bit to that. The so we've had the conference for three years, and I think we had the user group for maybe two, maybe a little bit more than two years before that. And you know, the, the interesting part is we had some people that were pretty passionate about it. That got it started, got it off the ground. You know, started actually doing monthly meetups, and those grew from you know, fifteen people up to I think we've had several that were you know north of eighty people 
a couple times for specific topics or specific uh, speakers that came in town. Probably averages somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 or 50 people a month. But the interesting part is it, it really seems like just from maybe it's just this this particular community, but there's not a whole lot of companies announcing out loud that they're they're going agile or really thinking about agile. And so there's a lot of people that show up to the meetings that I think are a, li- a bit less confident. They're not quite sure about it. They're really in the early stages of their learning curve and agile journey and that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of trying to, to seek out knowledge and not quite to the point where a lot of people are sharing knowledge. And so the interesting part of that has been as we ask for people to you know step up and volunteer and um, do different things to just help support the group, people are a bit tentative about that. So we sort of have the same core group of uh, you know six or ten people that are, that are always on the hook to, to do some of that stuff. So one thing we're consciously doing is coming out of this conference last week is really thinking about how do we get more engaged uh, engagement from the community where it's not just that that one small core group that's sort of driving everything. We want it to re- be really much more of a core or a um, sorry community and uh, organization. So we're trying to find ways to do more of that. I've, and I've, I've had a chance as I've been traveling around for consulting to go to a few other local user groups, and it does seem to be a bit more of community engagement, but there's always some some core group that's helping to, to just at least initiate things, but there, there's a lot of people that step up to help too. So, But I think, you know, to, to Ryan's point, the third year here, it was, it was really a great conference and a great venue at the NCA headquarters, so it was a little bit different than your you know, standard convention center and that kind of stuff too. So just gave it a, a very interesting feel and a lot of good speakers and you know, nearly 400 people in the, the third year for Indianapolis is a, a pretty, pretty amazing achievement. Well, congrats on that. So this is Don uh, Aaron, I have a question. Uh, as you travel around and attend the various meetups, do you find that the meetups have different personalities, that the different groups of people tend to come to one or the other? Yeah, definitely. Um, so, for example, in Indy, there's really just one Agile meetup. And, but as, I, as I've gone to other places, so you know, places that are, are much more Agile hubs, like um, you know, in the Dallas area in Texas, you go to the Bay Area, places like that where there's just a lot more activity going on, there's... Um, the groups tend to be not just nebulous agile, but they might be more segmented into, you know, specifically into XP or product management or um, quality, different things like that. And so you get a bit, bit more of a specific feel, which then, uh, you know, you get definitely a bit uh, different personality because there's a lot more passion around a specific topic rather than just the, the universe of agile, the, the big umbrella of agile. You get a lot more passion at those uh, more specific points, I guess. So that's, that's one thing I've seen that, it's kind of exciting if you really do have one of those passion areas and you go to that particular meetup, you're going to get a lot of a lot more excitement and, and um, I guess, you know, feeding your brain for that specific need. Thank you. So, Aaron, uh, this, this is Mark. Are, how many did you say you had in Agile Indie right now? Uh, so the, the conference we held last Friday, we had just under 400 attendees, I think, altogether. And the actual meetup group, I honestly can't remember. It, it was... I want to say it's somewhere around 500 if we feel like our meetup group and how many people are, are signed up on there. Okay. And, yeah. you know, average monthly attendance is probably around 50 for the monthly meetup. Okay. That's pretty good. Yeah, so it's it's interesting to hear what, what you guys are doing because uh, c- compared to what we have here in Florida, so I started the Agile Orlando group uh, a few years back, about uh, – well, restarted about three years ago, so about the time I guess you guys were, were starting up in Indy. Uh, and, a, and roughly the same time, Tampa Bay Agile was restarting, 
and South Florida Agile uh, was was getting going. And um, kind of like you, Aaron, I, I I was traveling around as a consultant, and so I traveled those those locations, got to meet those uh, meetup organizers, and so from that we kind of formed uh, a little bit of a network between us. Uh, and that's kind of helped us come up with ideas and support and uh, marketing uh, as well, uh, especially social media to help kind of promote each other's events. And, there, and, that's, and I was wondering, do you have other groups in your area that you reach out to, either Agile or, or otherwise, that you kind of network with? Yeah, actually, I can't remember who specifically had, had set it up, but there's a group called, uh, the initials are IAPS, so it was something like, Indiana Association of, uh, I don't know, I can't remember what the PS is, but, but anyway, it's, it's a, a group of meetup groups, essentially. So there's maybe six or seven, which include, there's a UX group, there's the PMI chapter, a couple more for other things in, in operations management and stuff like that. So there's maybe five or six different groups. Mm. And the intent was to get together for, for a couple different things. So try to find speakers for one and the, the thought of potentially doing a sort of shared conference or something at, at some point in the future. And there's also specifically in December, uh, there's a local TV personality who does just sort of the, the state of the Indiana business climate and things like that. His name is Gary Dick. And so he would do a... December talk for the PMI chapter. And part of the thought was to just share that opportunity with the rest of these groups as well. So starting to share speakers, you know, speaker lists and invitations. So if we did have someone say come to town who was consulting with a, a company and they might be a good speaker for Agile Indy and we didn't know about them, then there's an opportunity to share that through that group more broadly. Yeah. So I, I'd say they, you know, they're not exactly all closely related, but they're, they're other sort of community interest kind of groups like that that we've taken advantage of. I haven't, I'm not sure I'm aware of that in a lot of other places. I just know that one because I've, I've been involved with Agile India as a board member. Well, because I think, I think about um, you know, Ryan as somebody trying to start, start up a, a new group. I, I remember what that's like having done it a few times now. And you know, when, you're, when you're solo doing that, it's tough. Uh, so it's you know, looking in who else is around, who can I network with, who can I do the co-promotions with. And that's, for what I recall, was key to, to really getting us going. Uh, we're, we're about 400 in Agile Orlando, I think South Florida. Uh, it's like six or 700 now, and uh, Tampa's 500. And, and, and South Florida's putting on their own conferences. We, we just did, a, we're about to do our second open space in Florida, we did the first one last year in June, and uh, about uh, to do Mark, the second Mark, one. Mark, Mark, sorry. Yeah. This is Don. Yeah. Please be specific. You're doing the Agile Open Florida. Is that to what you're referring? I am. Thank you. And where can they find information? We'll have that in the show notes on uh, where they can go <laughs> to agileopenflorida.com. So I wasn't trying to do a plug there, but thanks, Don. <laughs> so, but. Uh, Really, my because because I've I've helped a lot of other uh, folks get their uh, user groups off the ground, and uh, for for me, networking is very important, and, and I I think it helps the individual as well as the community. So I'm always looking for what are other people doing and and how how is it working for them? Where are they stumbling? And is there you know is there sort of a, a support uh, network for these leaders who are out there trying to to start these groups because they have a passion for for agile or really any topic. So always looking for those ideas. So 
Yeah, I appreciate that. I uh, Right now, uh, I've been able to put together a core group, and maybe I'm going down the, the anti-pattern path that, that Aaron was, was given his cautionary tales about, but um, tried to find, and I think I've done that, core group of 10 people that are passionate about the topic, about getting a group going, and then trying to network and build off of that. And then, of course, the Agile Indie guys, you know, Aaron and Matt and a few others have been really helpful. Uh, Mark, you've provided some advice and I think between all of that, we're going to be able to get it off the ground. And the question will just be, you know, can the city support an agile uh, meetup type group? And I think it can. There are a number of companies that are that are either looking at agile or are in the middle of a transformation. I think it should be interesting. And, and hopefully, you know, the goal would be to get the group built up, get get a decent membership, help feed into the larger you know, Agile Indie Conference, you know, maybe do a few open spaces of our own, but really get Indiana, you know, on the map from a state perspective in in the Agile community and, and see uh, just how much interest there is in, in, in our state. Yeah. And, and I wouldn't say, you know, building up a core group of people, I wouldn't call that an anti-pattern. I think it's a good first iteration for, for a uh, Agile user group. I mean, I've seen that many times, but the thing is after about two or three years, people get a little tired, you know, and, and not everyone has the same passion for it. So that's when you need to start looking for what's the, what's the next thing to keep the group moving forward. And I think that it sounds like that's where Aaron, uh, Aaron's group is at. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're exactly right, Mark. And so I would say that you definitely have to have that core group that has passion to just get it off the ground, right? But just like any startup company, you know, the startup CEO may not be the one who takes it to uh, IPO. And so right. that, that's kind of the stage I, I think we're we're nearing is, you know, we, we've got to stop thinking quite so tactically about how do we get the next speaker for the monthly meeting and mm-hmm. talk about, you know, holistically what's what strategically can we do to start advancing Agile at in other areas so we we started off with you know how do we attract some you know scrum masters and team members to come out and just start talking about it and now we've got enough people interested we could actually start making some real uh impact with the community and things like that at large but we have to start thinking that way and so that might require you know going beyond that initial core group getting more community involvement that kind of stuff that's that's sort of where i was going with that ryan yeah all great tips so i really appreciate it and now uh, I'll keep keep the listeners up to date on uh, how that's progressing, and hopefully within the next month or so, uh, Agile Fort Wayne is up and running. You have a first uh, few meetings, and uh, we'll see where it goes from there. So I, th- I think we've hit that topic pretty well. Looks like we've got time for perhaps one more one more topic to dig into. Anything else going on with you guys that you'd like us to to claw back and take a look at, or uh, who's got uh, who's got our nice closeout topic? So I was I was really curious about the the one on uh, Scrum Master as an impediment to the team. Yeah. So this was the talk that I gave at, at Agile Indy. Um, oh, I, did, I I made a plug. Wow. Okay. No, no, it was <laughs> fine. It uh, and we'll put the a link to the slides and all that in the show notes. But um, yeah, I did a talk called "Help the Scrum Master is the Impediment," and it uh, it was really a, a talk about uh, how well-meaning, you know, benevolent. Scrum Masters, how their behavior can lead the team down bad paths and, and what Scrum Masters can do to inspect and adapt their own behaviors and things to look out for uh, so that they don't become an impediment to their team's success and, and just you know tips and, and thoughts around that. It, I've given the talk twice now, once to a local, uh, local business here in Fort Wayne, 
and then the second time at uh, at Agile Indy, and it's gotten a, I think it's hitting a strong note. You know, lots of, I think there are frustrated teams and even frustrated scrum masters out there who may not be getting the results they want, who are not seeing the the self-organization they were expecting and, and trying to figure out where the blocks are. And the idea that the scrum master could be the cause of, of some of that trouble, I think is resonating w- with quite a few people. Yeah, I, I would say, Ryan, that that ties back to what Don was saying on our first talk is you know, how you in- introduce yourself to a team and, and build rapport, uh, that can really set you know, some of those patterns in place. And they could be good patterns or bad patterns if you're not careful. Yeah. And, and a lot of the, the difficulties, I think, comes from transitioning from old roles to your new role. Right. So a, a tr- a, one of the slides that it gets a laugh, but is, is somewhat serious. I, ha- I call it the, the PMP to CSM pipeline. Mm. When I first discussed this concept with some people, the first thing that popped in my head was the Shawshank Redemption and Andy Dufresne climbing through that sewage pipe and finally hitting that water and, and cleaning off. It just it was so funny to me that I went ahead and made a slide with that with that image of him climbing through the sewage. But it is a, a gut wrenching experience, especially when you know my background was developer to project manager to scrum master to management. And going from that traditional project manager to scrum master, you have these moments or these crises of conscience where you want to give a direction or you want to assign a task or you see something that you perceive as awful on the horizon and you have to pull back, ask more questions, you know, give less or, you know, state fewer statements. And it really is just an uncomfortable feeling for at least the first uh, six months, at least in my experience, making that change. And that, that was a big part of the talk, too. It's just it is difficult taking these skills and practices that, that once made me so successful uh, in, my, in my role and you know, led to career progression and basically deciding that those are not the right way to interact with people and that I had to change. And it, I think that kind of message, it is resonating and it's one that, you know, it, it, it's a fun talk to give and it, I think it's an important topic that doesn't necessarily get a lot of attention. Yeah, hey, I, I'd agree. I'm just yeah, adding a, a card to the Trello board that says things we've had to change or things we have changed. Ooh, good one. So, Ryan, I, I think the last part of you, what you're talking about also is something that I, I've dealt with a lot with leadership as we think about overall organizational change and what you know, a lot of this ends up adding up to once you get beyond the team level, getting into management, is helping them understand what needs from their mindset. And it's exactly what you described, right? What's made them so successful, the way that they've climbed the corporate ladder and gotten to the position where they are, are the behaviors that we're trying to stop and, and really get them to think a different way. And it just becomes a, a challenging thing because they feel that's, that's what success, that that's what's equated to success for them is, is, is those behaviors that, that we're trying to change. So it's a really interesting dynamic when you get into that level. Yeah, and that's it's a level that I'm getting to play in now. And what I'm finding is, you know, and Aaron, maybe I think your experiences are from what we've talked about are, are probably similar. You know, there is this huge illusion of control in current, I, I guess, in traditional management theory where everything can be solved with the process. And if you do enough daily meetings and do enough check-ins, you can control something to a positive outcome. And clawing that back, especially in large companies, is just painful. You know, and, and what I finally have decided is is that people in that mindset are just so terrified of trusting software development teams that I think part of uh, part of our role as agile coaches and scrum masters is it's I think it's part therapist 
you know, just working with teams and, and, and management and leaders, trying to get that trust back between the different disciplines and trying to get them to a place to where you don't have to have all of these control mechanisms and processes to deliver a quality outcome. I don't know, Aaron, did, have you see, would you agree that, that have you seen that, that kind of mentality play out or have I missed it? No, I, I think that's, that's spot on. I mean, there, it's been a, a long time what they've, they've been trying to put those processes in place to control things and it's hard to, hard to let go, right? Otherwise, you know, part of it feels like, oh my God, I just wasted a whole, you know, many years trying to put those things in place all for naught. So it's hard to, sometimes it's a hard thing to face, but hopefully you get, you know, forward thinking managers that, that can think about those things as a sunk cost and try to move forward and start taking advantage of, of concepts like self-organization where, you know, you can unleash the power of all those smart people that you, you've hired and are trying to control and keep in a box. And if you can unleash them, then good things can happen. If you, if you can get comfortable with that, then, you know, like you're, you're probably on the, the top end of the spectrum in terms of management thinking, which, you know, sort of gets into some of the, the stuff I've been reading about lately with, I think it's the um, Leadership Agility book. I think Bill Joyner was one of the authors. And really talking about catalytic leadership, those kind of things, getting beyond the heroic stage of leadership where you have to, you know, like the traditional project manager where you have to be out in front and lead everything and try to control everything. And if you can get beyond that heroic nature, uh, what he calls post-heroic, into more catalytic leadership where you're energizing the people and the organization to, to unleash their full potential, then you're in a much better spot. Like this is the part done where you do a one-liner. <laughs> Wow, wasn't this good? <laughs> Aaron, we need to play a silver alert drop, and that tells Don it's time to drop the, the one-liner. Um, so I, I agree with Aaron. There's a great book. Ding! Uh, that was the rim shot for another plug. Uh, William Bridges wrote a great book called Managing Transitions. And in it, there's a chapter on the life cycle of a of an organization, a company. And what it talks about is what makes you successful at one stage of your existence in a company has to be left behind as you move to the next stage. And so when you get to certain companies that have been around for a long time, the things that have made the managers and the executives successful to get here are going to be changed as they move to the next phase. And he actually has like seven different phases and does not reference Agile at all. It's, it's a, more about change than Agile itself or, or the changes that we look at as we do so Agile software development. So the people who get left behind are the ones who are most successful. And tying back to Ryan's concept of empathy... And Hall is, uh, my Agile is better than your Agile. We have to find a way as coaches, consultants, as people who are hoping to make software development more fulfilling, exciting, and fun, for these people to understand that there is a place for them as we move forward. But it does require some change. <laughs> if they're willing. <laughs> yeah. Well, it does. It, so change is a very funny thing. You know, you keep using that word. I'm not <laughs> sure it means what you think it means. <laughs> Toya. Thank you. <laughs> and I believe we're going to ex 
exceed our time limit with that thought. So maybe what we should do is talk about change and some other things that have popped up on the uh, topic list as we've been talking tonight. It does require change. We all change all the time. It's when... Okay, silver moment. Um, <laughs> sorry. It's, I mean, change is... It's not really a silver moment. It's just such a fantastic and deep and broad topic that I can't wrap my hands around it in a short conversation. We do it all the time. We don't like it when it's pushed on us. And the one thing I was reading, another book called The Fractal Organization, and in it the author says, if people are resisting the change, the effort has already failed. (laughs) You know, people don't resist the initial change. It's, wait. If this thing is failing, and now I'm going to start pushing back. And there's another great book called Influencer, uh, The New Science for Change or something other, uh, that talks about how to help embrace change, but it's sort of beyond the conversational time we have left. So why don't we take that... Maybe for next time, because there's a lot of meat to dig into there as well. I like that topic. Yeah, I, I think the change topic is is fascinating, and it's one that causes a lot of joy and success for for those teams that are are progressing well. But it's also a, a source of pain and and struggle for those who aren't. And uh, can't think of a better way for us to to start up the next one. But for this particular edition of what are we going to call this, guys? Maybe we'll call it the uh, the Agile Book Club with Don Gray. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Did I do no. that? Don, I love the I love the book drops. I I go out and buy every one of them, and I, I think there's a lot. You know what the the CSM classes are wonderful for teaching the mechanics of Scrum, but what they don't teach us is how to to coach people, how to guide people, how to be that that mentor that they need during these these transformations, and, and I think these book uh, recommendations are are hugely important to expose uh, people to that side of, of what their new job is. So I, I actually, I really appreciate them. But as far as this episode goes, I think that is, uh, that is our time box. And being agile and lean thinking people, it is time for us to, to call it a night. So guys, I think we ought to go around, go around the horn. Quick plug for anything you've got going on. Maybe tell people how they can get a hold of you uh, through Twitter or any other uh, social media that you like, and uh, we'll call it a wrap. So Aaron, how can people reach out to you if they want to uh, know more about what is the Copal? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I guess you requested Twitter. So my Twitter handle is AACopal, which is A-A-K-O-P-E-L. Or even better is email Aaron at projectbrilliant.com. And thanks for having me. All right, Mark. Aaron's always so polite. Gosh, okay. So so this is Mark Kilby, and you can reach me on Twitter uh, at M-K-I-L-B-Y, or email mark at markkilby.com. Mr. Gray. There's the silver hair again, isn't it? <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, Twitter, Donald D. E. Gray. Email Don at Donald D. E. Gray. Dot com and um, the next thing I've got coming up uh, Mark has been part of the coaching beyond the team workshop that Esther Derby and I do shameless plug we're going to be in Sweden on May 11th and 12th and then we'll be coming back to the United States for the next workshop somewhere 
I don't know, in the Mideast, Midwest. So funny story, I'm from South Dakota and we're Midwest. Indiana is not Midwest. Indiana is Mideast. Okay. And I'm Ryan Ripley. You can find me on Twitter at Ryan Ripley. And I also blog at agileanswerman.com. Uh, on behalf of Aaron, Mark, and Don, I'd like to thank everyone for listening. We're going to inspect and adapt and do better next time. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to Agile for Humans. Let's keep the conversation going. Drop us a question on Twitter at Agile for Humans or visit agileforhumans.com. Hey, it's Ryan. If you're enjoying this show and want to take a deeper dive into Scrum with me and Todd, check out agileforhumans.com forward slash training. Be sure to also look at the show notes to subscribe to our newsletter, get a copy of our book, Fixing Your Scrum, and learn more about working with us at Agile for Humans. Thanks for listening and Scrum on.